when uh, around 2008, 2009, uh, some friends of mine who I was playing in a band with, uh, I'm pretty sure it was one of them, uh, said, hey, you know, that's some new music you should really check out. And, uh, and so they put in my hands uh, this band from, from London, a, a new band, a young band called Mumford & Sons. Anybody ever heard of this band? Yes. So, so uh, I listened to it, you know, and, and uh, it was their first release. Uh, they were, like I said, young guys from around London. They were sort of the first wave of what they call this new folk revival. So, you know, they were responsible for this, you know, the growth of a lot of beards on guys, you know, like if you've seen like, hipster beards and a lot of pomade sales, kind of originating around this new folk movement. And it was a really, really great uh, a record. Um, and uh, I thought it was great. The lyrics were, were, were poignant and, and spiritual even. Uh, and they spoke of like a, a yearning and a longing for something something deep. Um, but what I really wanted to share with you is I, I was a fan. I appreciated the, the record or uh, the CD. This is back when they had CDs, by the way. Um, but what really grabbed me was, uh, was just a couple years later, uh, we had cable and we had uh, the cable package. We had this, had this channel called Palladia, which was nothing but live music, like 24 hours a day. And if you, if you don't know this about me, like I am like live music is my thing. Like like, I love the live music event, uh, I, you know, just being a musician, and, and there's just something about it. And so uh, there's a huge festival in England called Glastonbury. And 2010, uh, Mumford & Sons played Glastonbury for the second time. They, they played it once right after they formed, and then uh, they played it in 2010. And uh, what I wanted to do is show you a little bit of, of what I saw uh, when I watched them play uh, on cable so many years ago. Just watch this for a couple minutes. You guys know that song? Yes? Yes? Okay. So, uh, so what, what grabbed me was like I'm watching this, right, for, as, from a musician's point of view, and I'm, I'm sitting there going like, there's four guys, there's like no drummer, you know, the guy just has a kick drum that he's beating on occasionally, and the crowd is just going bananas. I mean, like, if you see people, they're jumping around, and I'm like, like this just doesn't compute, you know, for me, and, and that's what I responded to initially, just the energy that they, that they brought to that with very little instrumentation, right? And there was something interesting about it. Um, so I, I start off that way because when I started to think about today and talking to you guys today, um, that uh, journey of that band, and we'll, we'll come back to them later, uh, really, really put me in mind of what it means to be uh, a disciple of Jesus, what it means to follow him. And, and I want to unpack a little bit of that for you. Um, what we're talking about today is uh, something that's scary a little bit for me in my past, and it's the subject, the topic of evangelism. I don't know if you're like me. I've got baggage. I've got like church baggage about the word evangelism. I've got it, I've got it from being a person who was outside the church and feeling like there was always somebody yelling at me and screaming at me and telling me what an awful human being I was. Anybody have that experience? You know, um, but I also have it from uh, even a, a pastor be, uh, because, you know, I know in my mind, you know, that I'm supposed to be like all in on evangelism. And let me tell you, I, I shared with you guys last week, we talked about how E3, like we don't advertise, we don't take out TV ads, we really don't do billboards. Uh, um, this thing grows life by life. 
It, it, it grows by you telling your friends and you telling your friends and you telling your friends and then maybe they'll tell their friends, hey, you should come and check out what God's doing at this place called E3, right? Um, and, and that's the way we, we do evangelism. Um, but I'm an introvert and I'm shy and it takes me a long time to get to know people. And so for me to like sit down, you know, like if, if you, sometimes you hang around uh, church people a lot and pastors, you know, everyone has their airplane conversion story, you know, where the, well, I sat down uh, with somebody on, an air, on a flight from here to Chicago and told me about their life and had them converted to Jesus by the time, you know, and I'm like, that, I'm like, I don't talk to anybody on the plane. I'm like, the headphones go in, you know, and, and every time, like, am I supposed to feel like Jesus is just looking at me going like, oh, Eric, Eric, Eric. So I've got baggage about this word evangelism. At E3, we call it invitation. And, and what I want to do today is, first of all, to remind you guys, still, yes, listen, this place grows. The kingdom of God grows life by life by life by life by life. Evangelism is not an option. But maybe you're like me and you have like, oh, this a, a thought, a feeling about it. And what I want to do is, is lay out maybe a different way to think about it, that might help you. It might help you get over that hump. It might help you live into this thing that we call invitation, that we call evangelism. Um, so uh, Catherine read for us these a couple passages out of the Gospel of Mark. And, and if you want to turn, uh, uh, turn to Mark 1, we're going to kind of just go through them again. And I want to show you uh, what I see in 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 Jesus' statements here, and then the story that just sets us off on this journey of, of invitation and evangelism. So Mark 1, you know, summarizing it, paraphrasing it, Jesus is walking by the Sea of Galilee, and he sees these two brothers, Simon and Andrew. They're fishing. They're throwing uh, the fishing nets into the sea. They're probably standing, you know, knee-deep in, in the water and throwing the nets in. And Jesus just says, come and follow me, and I'll show you how to fish for people. It says right away, they leave their nets and they follow Jesus. Then he sees another pair of sons, James and John, which, by the way, man, uh, if I was a disciple and James and John got to be called the sons of thunder, <laughs> do you think the rest of the 12 had like a little bit of baggage? Like, I want a cool nickname like the sons of thunder. And he's like, okay, you're Ralph or something. I don't know. It'd be very... Anyway, he sees James and John. They're fishermen too. Now, they're, they're uh, in their boat repairing the nets, which a lot of theologians will say, listen, that tells you James and John are actually a little bit better off than uh, Peter and, and his brother. Uh, you know, they're, Peter and his brother, they're fishing, they're, they're standing, all they have is nets. And they're just standing in the water, throwing their nets. James and John, they have a boat, belongs to their father, they have a family business. And the reason this is important is I just like to point out that like, there is a, there's a diversity in the 12. This is the first of Jesus' 12 followers. There's a diversity according to socioeconomics. Like James, uh, James and John, a little bit better off than, than um, uh, Simon and Andrew. So, but he does the same thing. He says, listen, I'm gonna call you. They leave and uh, they just leave their father with the workers and they, they follow him. And then Mark 3 uh, the text says, uh, Jesus goes up on this mountain and he calls those he wanted and they came to him. He appointed 12 and he called them apostles. Apostle just means messenger. He appointed them to be messengers. But this is where the, the first sort of outline uh, uh, of, of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and how this leads into invitation. Uh, he appointed them to be with him and, then, and to be sent out to preach 
and to have authority to throw out demons. And then he just goes through, Mark just outlines the names. So based on this text, and I don't think it's stretching the text or doing anything strange to it. I would just tell you right off the bat, to be a disciple, to be one of Jesus' disciples. And I uh, want to be clear, the first 12, the 12 are men, but Jesus has more disciples than just 12. He's got 30, 72. Those are all disciples, maybe up to 150, 300. And, and those, those people come from all walks of life. They're men, they're women, they're rich, they're poor. But uh, I believe that when Jesus calls them, he says, listen, I'm going to appoint you to be apostles. And then he says, listen, here's what it means. The first thing is like, you have to be with me. You're with me. You're going to learn from me. You're going to live life with me and I'm going to live life with you and you're going to learn. But then he says, this is what it also means. He said, you are going to be sent out. You know, we even saw this in this story, if you were here last week, of the, of the guy in Mark 5 that Jesus just does this amazing transformational thing. And the guy's like, I want to be with you. Let me get in the boat and come with you. And Jesus is like, no, because the other part of being a disciple is to be sent out. And when he sends people out, uh, all three, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, uh, what they call the sort of the synoptic gospels, they all say some version of this, sent out to preach. And he's like, oh, well, What's that? You know, you have to be trained to preach. Really, preaching just means proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. No training necessarily involved. Just proclaim, tell people about the good news of God. And then he gives them authority. And Mark says to throw out demons. And we go, whoa, demons, I don't know about that. But the other gospel writers also say, listen, to heal people. And even there we go like, well, I've never healed anybody. But I would tell you just as a person that wrestles with the Bible and lives, lives life as a follower of Jesus, like if, if you've never, well, like I've never heard, I've never healed somebody, so I guess that's not me. Listen, we get hung up on the fantastic stuff. We get hung up on, well, I've never seen a demon thrown out. So what, does that make, like you heal people when you sit down with a lonely person. You think that that's like not real or that's somehow less qualified of a healing than some supernatural, fantastic thing. I've, I've seen, I've heard those stories as well. But Jesus tells his disciples, let's go out and tell people about the good news. I'm going to give you authority to make people better. Address their wants and their needs. And so this is where this all starts. Authority, healing, proclaiming. All right? And, and they start this legacy that we now inherit. And this is the way I, I would say it. I, I stumbled across a phrase a couple years ago uh, about what it meant to, to be a disciple and what it meant to be a follower of Jesus. And, and I'd never seen the phrase before, and I saw it popping up in a, a few books I was reading. And the phrase was this. It says that my job as a, as a Christ follower and your job is to live creatively in response to the gospel. Now, I'm a big picture person. I'm a conceptual thinker. So I like things that are just, I can wrap my head around and then I can work the details out for myself. But a disciple, a follower of Jesus, our job as individuals is to live our lives creatively in response to the gospel. The good news being like, listen, God has come and he loves you. And there's forgiveness, and there is a good king, and there is purpose, and there is connection. But listen, um, 
some of you guys, you see a phrase like that and you're like, live creatively. And then a lot of you might go, I'm not a creative person. I'm checking out. When can I go get another cup of coffee? I'm not creative. So I guess I'll just pass on this one. But I want to suggest to you that first, this is the key to invitation. This is the key to evangelism. And second, every single person can do it. It has nothing to do with being a musician, an artist, a screenwriter, a poet. Every single person can live a creative life in response to the gospel. Let me show you what I mean. Um, this is a, let me show you this map. So down in the lower uh, right-hand corner, that red uh, pin, that's where Nazareth is. That's where the Sea of Galilee is. So when Jesus calls his disciples, those 12, almost all of them, all of them come from this little area of Nowheresville called Nazareth, tiny little village. And they're just dudes. They're just people, fishermen, some rich, some poor. And what does he say? Listen, come be with me and then I'll send you out. That little, little area of, of Israel, of Palestine, it's just a backwater. Now, uh, the, he says that he called the 12 and then we, he names their names. Let me show you, I want to show you where the 12 end up. So next map. Those red stars, according to church history, according to everything that we know about their lives, are the spaces, the places where those 12 apostles end up. Don't get caught up on the math. Some, people, some, some stars represent multiple people. So you got India. You got India, 4,000 miles away from Nazareth. 4,000 miles away from Nazareth. And in, in the first century, when nobody travels, you don't get on a plane and fly to India. You know how you get there? You walk. You've got uh, Persia, Iran. You've got Southern Arabia. You have Ethiopia. You've got Armenia. You've got Turkey. You've got Greece. And by the way, that's where most of these uh, people are, are killed. They lose their lives in this. And let me tell you, like the whole point of this, none of these guys received from Jesus the 12-point the, the evangelism plan. They did not receive a certificate from a school that said, here's how you evangelize uh, India, Thomas. They were with Jesus and then Jesus sent them out and they figured it out as they went. And I want to suggest to you that they lived their lives creatively in response to the gospel. They had no program that they were working. They lived their lives and went. Living life creatively in response to the gospel. And this is our legacy. Like we're the legacy of those people that just traveled and just went. Uh, 2017 uh, Global Leadership Summit, there was a speaker there from Sweden named Frederick uh, Heron. And he is, a, Frederick is a, a, a business consultant specifically in the area of creativity. And he came out and gave this brilliant talk and what I want to do is start to unpack this idea for those of you who are like, well, I'm not creative. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm the furthest thing from creative. Well, Friedrich just basically gives a great definition of creativity. And he says this, creativity happens when you take two things and just combine them in a new way. All it takes 
to be creative is to take two things and then put them together in a new way. And let me just kind of go straight to the heart of it. In this metaphor, the two things are the gospel and you. The two things are the gospel of God and you and your life. And God wants us to combine those two things in a new way. And that is where evangelism and creative living starts. And this, and this, in case I need to say this, listen, this is not about, so some of us might say, but doesn't the church have a department for that? Isn't evangelism the job of you guys on the pastoral staff? No, not solely. None of those 12 apostles, you know, they didn't go to India and go and like show up in India. And Thomas says, well, let me tell you, um, there's a temple in Jerusalem that's 4,000 miles away. But if you go to it, it's got an awesome gathering. They have free coffee. It was not a Sunday program. Saturday, really, because they were Jewish. And neither is this. This is your life. This is not a, well, get them to Sunday to go to church. That is important. But this is your life. You and the gospel. Not me and your life and the gospel. Living creatively is your life plus the gospel so let me, uh, let me kind of drill down into this because I really think this is critical. How do we grow? We are a life-by-life -life growth church. So this is what I say. To live creatively uh, in response to the gospel, I, I made a math formula. It's only addition because that's all I can really do. It's like you, your life. And like at E3, we like to say your life is time, talents, treasures. Everybody's got some time. Everybody's got something they're good at. Everybody's got something they're passionate about. Everybody's got something that they just do naturally really, really well. And everybody's got some resources that they can allocate to it. It's you plus your context, which really just means who do you know? Where do you shop? Who do you go to school with? Who do you work with? Who do you work for? Plus the gospel. God loves you. There's a good king. He has not abandoned us. Your life has a purpose. You can be connected deeply with other people. It's you, your time, your talents, your treasures, your relational world, and the gospel. That is creative living. That is two unlike things or things that don't normally belong together. And if you do it right, you put them together and that's something new. And you know what keeps me from doing it? Little, little moment of vulnerability. I just get blinders on too much. I have blinders on. I mean, let's be honest. I work with Christians. I work, with a, I work for the church. You know, this is my calling. This is my vocation. So for me, you know, okay, well, like I, I do invest my life in the people who work here. But in terms of people outside the church, listen, it takes when I go to Publix. But I'm going to be honest, like sometimes at Publix, my, my, I've got blinders on. And so I don't pause to the person who's like helping me. And some, maybe you're like that too. Where like you get this, time, talents, treasures, relational world, but sometimes I just don't feel like it. And I'm just being honest. But just taking the time to say, wow, that person looks really sad. They look really crushed. 
can I just offer a word of encouragement? I don't need to like, you know, take them to like get all the way saved. Like right now, like sometimes I think, I think, I think sometimes in the, in the church, we wish that we could just be you know, like a microwave, just pop people in a spiritual microwave and bam, out comes a Christian a minute later. But that's not my experience. It's a lot more like farming and it's a lot more like just wrestling through things with people. It's a lot more like two steps forward and one step back or two steps forward and three steps back. But it's a lot more about commitment. And it's a lot more about just being there and being a presence and being a presence and being a presence. You, your time, your talents, your treasures, your relational world, where do you shop? Where do you work? Who works with you that just walks in with the weight of the world? And it just starts with you going, that person looks like they have the weight of the world. Maybe I should call Eric and get him to come over right now. <laughs> that is creativity. That is living creatively in response to the gospel. Taking the gospel and your life, whom put him together. And that's where it starts. Now listen, um, so I'm going to just give you a couple, couple examples. These are real world examples. And I'm going to shout out a couple people. If you don't get shouted out, don't send me an email. So, um, you know, the, my friends, the, the Durenbergers, right? So uh, Dan Durenberger used to be on staff here. He's not right now. He's a teacher. Uh, Lindsay um, works for us part-time. She has a full-time uh, job as sort of an executive assistant blogger for, uh, you know, she does online writing and everything. And, and listen, they said, well, here's who, here's who we are. What time, what talents, what treasures do we have? We have a house. We're a young family. We've got a little time. And we're good at, at just connecting with people. So they said, that's us. Who is, who's our context? Well, we know a lot of people who have left the church because they just don't feel, they don't feel at home. So we had a lot of fringe people. So like, let's go get those people and then let's just show them week in and week out that God loves messy people. That is time, talents, treasures, relational world, plus the gospel of Jesus. And what we see in their growth group is just people just taking a step and just a step and just a step. And no, there's no microwave, but that's okay. We have a group of people right now running this thing called Alpha. It's starting its third week, which is just a great environment for people who are spiritually curious and just want to know, uh, is there a place where I can come ask deep questions about life and God and not be laughed at or not be run out of a church? And so we have a group of people who are just coming together each week and they're providing space for people to ask those questions. Time, talents, treasures, relational world, gospel, creativity. Live your life creatively in response to the gospel. That's evangelism. That's invitation. Years ago, before I had a seminary degree, this is not to blow my own horn, just to show this is how basic it starts. I was a musician. I was really searching the Bible for myself and just wrestling through stuff. And at the same time, I had a lot of friends who were leaving the church. They've been hurt and they're ready to throw the whole baby out with the bathwater. We're done with the whole enterprise. And my wife and I said, you know what? What if we have some time? We have a little apartment. What if we invited people over to our house and just, we just, we, uh, I, I love the Bible and I like to teach. So what if I just wrestle with and learn some stuff to teach to people? And, and, and over time, it, 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 it had the really creative name of the Case Bible Study. And it ran for years. 
And people would come in and, and we would just be like, this is what we got. We're nothing special. We have a relational world. We know people who have been burned and hurt by the church. Can we invite you into our space? And I have time and I have talents. And I have a little bit of passion about this. And then we have this gospel. And, and all I can tell you is that over years and years and years, we've sent out missionaries. We've sent out somebody who's become a, a national speaker on the, the Christian circuit. We've sent out uh, people who become staff members at this church. And it's nothing about who we are. We're not that great. All we said is, Creative living, time, talents, treasures, our relational world, the good news of Jesus. Let's just start there. Evangelism is, in a way, is just not that complicated. You start with where you're at and what you have to give. And I'll tell you, here's a couple of reality checks. It takes time. It takes time. And it's not easy. Uh, one of the ways you can do this is if you decide, listen, I'm going to become a growth group leader. I want to do this. I want to live this out. Your first night leading a growth group, you're going to stink, probably. You're not going to be very good. But, you know, the old adage is like, if it, if it was easy, everybody would do it. So you get better and you learn. There's a craft to it. And you dig in and you just show up and you show up and you show up and you live your life creatively in response to the gospel. And oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. And if you're really, really lucky, listen, this is when the metaphor comes back around. For me, if, if you ever consider yourself an artist, if you are, a, like I am a, an artist in the musician sense, have, have you ever been working at something and you saw the moment that something new started to take shape? If you've ever been there, if you've worked at anything creative and the moment where you're like, oh my gosh, I've taken something and all of a sudden I'm seeing something that has energy and it's new and it's unexpected and it's a little chaotic because now it's beyond my control. And that's what it's like when you dig in, like if it's a growth group leadership, you've ever seen somebody that just gets it for the first time? You ever seen somebody's heart crack open for the first time? Have you ever seen somebody's heart crack open for the first time? There's nothing like it. It's nothing that you do, but you're just like, listen, I've just taken what I had and brought to this, and then I took uh, and God's gospel, and I just was honest, and then you just see this moment, and it's like, oh my gosh, something new is happening right before my eyes. And that's art. I think of human beings as works of art because God does. So living your life creatively in response to the gospel is just starting with the question of like, what do I have to give? And now I'm going to come back and rescue you guys because I just said, oh, I said the A word. I said art. Now I'm, now I'm not with you anymore, Eric, because I'm not an artist. Listen, do you know what the definition of art at its most basic level is? It is something that evokes a response out of somebody. It has nothing to do with a sculptor, a painting, a poem, a piece of music. A work of art is something that creates a response out of somebody else. If you've ever sat before a great work of art or heard it, you know that. It creates a longing inside you. It creates an emotional reaction. I've told you guys this story. When I walked into uh, the Louvre, and it was even before we got to the Mona Lisa, I was just in tears. That's me. 
But you know that when you see it. And that's the way it should be with, with when we are doing this work and you see somebody's heart crack open, it should take your breath away. It should take your breath away. And there's nothing like it in the world. It is just seeing something that you're like, oh my gosh, I have a response to that. Now, uh, I, to be honest, um, over the course of their records, I lost interest in Mumford & Sons, right? Every record I liked a little bit less than the one before. And so I really had stopped paying attention to them. Um, but a couple years ago, I was looking for, I don't even know what kind of music I was looking for, but I was just searching something out and I found a collaboration that they had done. Okay, now get ready for this. They are from London. Uh, Marcus Mumford, the, the lead singer, was born in 1987. Bunch of London boys. And he looks a lot like Tim Tebow, I think. And they did this collaboration with a guy named Baba Mal, who is from Senegal, West Africa. And he's born in 1953. That's over 30 years difference. And like you say, what business does this thing have to do combining with this guy over here except to make something new? And you would go, they have no business collaborating with a guy from West Africa who sings not even in English most of the time. He sings in the dialect of Senegal. And yet they do this. Let's see what happens if we take this thing and this thing and we see what happens, right? And I heard this song and it blew me away. And I was like, I don't even know how these two things are supposed to work together. And God says the same thing about you, by the way. I don't know how my gospel and this person, but they just do. And, 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 it, and I was like, oh my gosh. What a beautiful example of what happened, what, of what is possible when we're willing to just put two things together and say, oh, let's see what happens. And so when I saw the video, there's a live video, I'm about to show it to you. And it's serving as our response song. A lot of times we play a song at the end of the, this is your response song. And uh, I will unpack it, what I see in the video, but I just want you to watch of the like these two worlds coming together and making something new and beautiful. Watch this. You know, I'd noticed a couple, I'd noticed something about that video just this morning. And, uh, and that is, you know, if you think that you can see the crowd and, and I, wanted, I wanted to see the crowd reacting the same way that that crowd at Glastonbury did. But some of those people were just going like, I don't get this thing at all. And that's the way it's going to be sometimes. You want to do something that involves you and, and, and your friends. There's going to be people that are like, I don't get why you're doing that or what good it's doing. But you know who knew what was going on? The people on that stage. Did you see the joy? Did you see the joy like when, when you know, one of these guys from London saw this guy from Senegal and there was a South African band there and they started singing. You could just see their face light up. Oh my gosh, this is new. It's happening right now. It's coming to life right now. And guys, that's all you have to do to be a part of this evangelism invitation thing. It's just be willing to say, listen, this is what I got to give and I've got people in my life that should hear it. And it might get chaotic. 
And you might not know what's going on, but if you keep at it and you say, I'll get better at it and I'll be present and I'll just stay there, that moment when something new happens. Don't wait around for us to give you a plan because Jesus already did. 